Thank you, Izzy. And I like your shirt, man. I like, I like the shirt. Good, good representation there. Thank you, and thank you. And let me bring you greetings again uh, from Stitch Ministries once again. Uh, and just say thank you again as you get ready to go on a mission trip. There are very few churches who do what you do in the Dominican Republic, and we are grateful for that partnership. There's some neat things happening there, and, and I know you have had a hand in changing that. I, it, it's hard to put it into words, but just know you, this church has had a hand in changing a country and renewing it and changing it into what God has for it to do. We're involved in eternal work, and we're very, very grateful for that. Uh, this morning, let me just read this passage of Scripture, and then we're going to let the kids go. But in Ephesians chapter 1, look at verse 15 with me. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and the incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand. In the heavenly realms, far above every rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. Father, we continue to pray that you will bless this day and our time together. Bless these kids as they have their time. Teach them, grow them, prepare them for your coming. And thank you, God, that we can be prepared as your church for all that you have in store for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, now Kingdom Kids, uh, kids four years old through second grade. If y'all want to just follow that group right there. They know where they're going and they know what they're doing. We're glad to have them do that. When I was here uh, last time, I, I kind of alluded to that there are some new things that we're doing in, in Stitch Ministries. And uh, one of those new things is, is really a continuation of something we've been doing for a while. Many of you know, over at Goliad, we've had a home for families, single moms and their kids. Now, it was uh, a about 20, 1920, or yeah, 2021, not 1921, 2021, that we got an invitation to some folks over in my hometown of Yoakum to say, we have a children's home here that we can't continue to, to go. We can't make it under the state regulations. We can't keep up with everything that needs to be done that we're being asked to. So uh, some of you may have heard of the Blue Bonnet Youth Ranch that now is, uh, to kind of cut to where we are now, that now is one of our new campuses and a new facility. 
There is still a Blue Bonnet Youth Ranch board that meets and raises funds, and, and you may see some things advertised in, in, from Victoria and other places and, and golf tournaments, different things that they still do. But, but that facility is just like Goliad and is a place for single moms to come and to bring their kids, and we get a chance to impact two generations at one time. What we're going to watch today is a, is a brief video from a young lady named Brandy who's at Yoakum right now and with her kids, and just a little bit of the story of Brandy and what's happening through our homes for families. So let's watch that together. Hi, my name is Brandy, and I live at Stitch Ministries Homes for Families. I've been here since January 2021, and I live um, with my daughter, and she's 17. This is Tanaya, and then I have a son named Josiah, and he's six. Due to things that I went through in my childhood, um, I started using drugs when I was 15, and that led just to a life of codependency and people pleasing and approval addiction that caused me to just make really bad choices. Um, and I put my kids through just some of my really bad selfishness and my stupid decisions. When I finally got to where I just really wanted to have a different life um, for my kids, then I got in touch with Stitch Ministries and got to Homes for Families. And so I've been here since then. I was just trapped in so many, I was just captive and, and I didn't understand that and, and now I do. And there is so much freedom in understanding the surrender. So life now, I'm there with my kids every night and I'm up before they are and I'm nice to them. And I make decisions that have them in mind before that has myself in mind. And I'm excited about my future for like the first time ever. Like what life is going to be like once I'm out of the program is gonna be amazing. God has given me a life that is hopeful. What I would say to my mom or say to you is that I'm extremely grateful for you. And I'm extremely grateful for the decisions that you've made for me and Josiah because if they weren't made, then we wouldn't be the people who we are today. And I know that because of this, the decisions you've made, our futures will be will be set out and they'll be great. And you are a great example for what we should be as we get older. And I'm glad that I have you as my mom. I'm forever grateful and indebted to Stitch Ministries in the Homes for Families program. Of course it's God, and we all know that. We all know that it's God that works through it. But my life is forever changed. In every area, my life will never be the same. And not only that, but the tools that I've gained being here, when I leave, I know how to take God with me. It's not just a temporary setup, I've actually being equipped to go out there and to mimic the same thing and just learning who God is and learning how to have a personal relationship with him. I could have only gotten that out of this whole program and it would have been worth it. God is everything to me now. 
I'm just really grateful. So some of the things that uh, Brandy didn't say, or if you are familiar with putting videos together, you could see edits. So we had to shorten her story some, but we also had to, I don't know if clean up is the right word because she wasn't using any appropriate language, but just some stuff that she went through. It's probably not safe to say in a church with all ages. Brandy happens to be from Yoakum, too. And, and so it's, it's been a, a homecoming in many different ways, and, and, and she has had a chance to reconcile with her family of origin and to see her kids grow up that way. Uh, Tanaya will probably will be one of the top graduates from Yoakum High School. And before you not being a graduate from Yoakum High School, I am one too, but that is something to be a top graduate of any high school after what you've been through and after what she's gone through. You've had a hand in helping with all of that. You help these people as, as your gifts above and beyond the cooperative program to Stitch Ministries. But I wanted you to have a chance to see someone that your, your gifts, your life, your work, your generosity has touched. And, and a life has been changed. And other lives are being changed. Now, a little bit about Homes for Families because it's not as familiar to many of you. It is a four-phase process. In other words, it's not just a place for somebody to go and stay for a while till they get their feet back on their ground. It, it is a place for women to go who are really ready for life change. And so there's four different steps you will take within that process. The fourth one being out on your own, getting some sort of help and support, but having your children on your own. And one of our success stories I, I can... I can share with you uh, is a girl named Ashley, a young lady named Ashley, and, and she and her, her four children are now out on their own. She's a nurse and has completed her nursing degree and, and did that through this process. Not everybody does that kind of work. Kids and women come and go. But if you know someone who is really ready for life change, really ready to enter into a process of going forward in life and in their relationship with Christ, then this would be a place you could recommend to them, and I'd be glad to talk to you about that more later on. Uh, but all of us who are Christians and have been that way would, would be able to say to Brandy, Brandy, God's got a plan for you. God's got great things for you. Now, we don't know what it is. We don't know how it's going to work. We could say, Brandy, once you get out of, of homes for families, you know, you can trust that God is going to provide for you. God has a plan and he has a way. There is a similarity between this church and where Brandy is. In that God has a plan for you. God has a plan for your future. God has provision for you in the days and the weeks and the months to come. As you're looking for a new pastor. And know that you are not alone in this, your brothers and sisters in Goliad and in, in Pawnee and out at Shote are going through this. And your brothers and sisters in Floresville and in other places have already gone through that and are in that process. So what can we say about what is God's will for us? What, what I want to do today is equip you in something and give you a challenge in something. So 
this is an equipping type of message today. You may want to jot some things down because I'm going to give you some homework, okay? I'm not going to grade it, but I'm going to give you some homework when we go from here today. About a third of my Sundays, and I'm, I'm in a typical year, I'm out about 40 Sunday mornings doing this, filling in somewhere. About a third of those are in churches who are without a pastor. They're going through this transition like you are going through. And I wouldn't say that I'm an expert in this, or I'm not saying that braggadociously, because I realized these are churches desperate enough to call me to come preach. Because many of them don't know me and have never heard me. Uh, but I have learned some things in this process of being around these, these churches for eight years now and, and seeing the transitions going on and, and sometimes seeing transitions go on and another transition go on in my eight years with them. Uh, but, but let me just say this. The number one need of your church right now is something everybody in this church can do. The number one need. And if you haven't figured it out from the title, it's yes, to pray. To pray about this. How can we pray about this? Paul wrote down a prayer for a church. And he said, this is your future. This is God's will for you. This is what you can count on and this is what you can trust. And this is how to pray for your church. So this is what I'm going to give you today, and I'm going to give you an acrostic. I don't always do that, but it, we're going to take the word trust. This is not original with me. You, you've heard other sermons maybe with the same word trust as an acrostic to kind of give us a guide through Scripture. But I want it to be something that you can remember and use in your prayer life of, of how to pray for your church today, how to pray for someone, how to pray through this process so just we're going to take the word trust and break this passage down using one of the letters. And each letter is, is going to give us something to remind ourselves to pray. And with that, I'm going to ask you a question of, about how to think about this and how to let this passage guide your prayer. Okay? You ready? Let's go. The T in trust is thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. What is something for which to be thankful or in your church, even without a pastor, even in a time of transition, even when there's this uncertainty, what is something to be thankful for? Find something to be thankful for every time you come, every time you think about your church, every time you talk about your church. This is a vital thing in these days, in these times, to be thankful for your church and what's going on, what God has done in the past, what God is doing right now, and to be thankful even now for what God is going to do in the future. Find something to be grateful for. Now, Paul is writing this from prison. He is saying, I am thanking God for you. And, and he doesn't go into details about his situation, though it is... It is starkly sad. He is awaiting trial in Rome, and he is awaiting to go perhaps to his death. But he's saying, I am thankful of who you are and what you are and what's going on. I'm thankful for what God is doing in your life and thankful for what he's going to do in your life. We can be thankful even when things are not going well. In fact, it's probably most important in our lives, in any situation, in our churches for sure, to be thankful for what God is doing even when things aren't what they used to be, what you hope they will be, what you think they ought to be. Stop yourself and begin to be thankful. 
And, and I don't know where I heard this quote, but I read it and I jotted it down. Thanksgiving is the path to unity. Now, that's true of a church. Thanksgiving is the path to unity. You want to be unified in this. You want to come to a unified decision as a church about your next pastor. How do you do that? By thanksgiving. Not by wishing it was something different. Not by longing for something that's been in the past. Though you have something to be thankful for in that. And it's not by critiquing things. It is a way to be thankful and to come together to see what God has in store for you. Thanksgiving is an important part. Where is something for which to be thankful? Begin that process today. That's the T in trust, the R in trust. He talks about God revealing his will in a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now, we have to be careful. God's not going to reveal to you any kind of truth that's not already stated in the Bible. He's not going to take you in some new direction or give you something that's not already there. But he's going to bring it to life and give you wisdom. Did you catch that in it? Here's the question when you pray for your church. Where is there a need for wisdom in my church? Where is there a need for wisdom? Now, you'd be thinking, well, you know, I am not on this committee to, to do this pastor search thing. No, but you are in this church. And, and this is the need for your church now. And, and to be honest, this is your personal individual need right now in a greater way than what you can understand and think of. This is something that, that needs to be a part of my life and my personal prayer life and my ongoing life with, with others. Where is there a need for wisdom? We need wisdom. I, I can take you to some churches. In my eight years, they're on their fourth pastor in eight years. You do not want to go down that road. And if there were some wisdom that would have, they would have really looked at some things more clearly, a lot of that could have been avoided. And, and there would be some painful things that wouldn't have to have happened. We all want to avoid those, but we want to get to the right thing. How do we find it? We find it by knowing that God reveals his wisdom to us he guides us in this process. James will say in, in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 5, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to us liberally without finding fault. He wants to give you wisdom. Are you willing to receive it? Are you willing to take it in? Brandy came to a place where she had to realize, I need something other than me, uh, beyond me, greater than me. And it is God's wisdom that you can see at work in her life and doing things in her life. Where is there wisdom? Now, he guides this in, in some of your translations. That verse, it will also say, as you grow, that you might grow in the knowledge of him. Very important little element here that we need to make sure that, that we all need wisdom. We all need to understand. But part of the way we get wisdom is by growing in knowledge. This may be one of the most important times in your own individual, personal walk with God is in this time without a pastor. Because he's, he wants to speak to all of you. He wants to guide all of you together in unity about the future and about who he has for you. Let, let, me, let me give you an analogy. Uh, if, if a car stalled out here right in the middle of the road and we wanted to turn it and get into a parking place where we could jump it off or do something and get it out of the way, what would be the best way to do it? Would it be to turn the wheels and then begin to push it or 
get somebody in there, and as we push it, then they begin to turn the wheels. We get it going, and then we steer it. Well, if you've ever had that dilemma, it's getting it going, and then steering is a whole lot easier than trying to turn the wheels and push it. That's the same way in our spiritual life. Where do we get guidance? It's as we grow, as we're going forward, as we're walking with God, as we're following him in a new way of life. That's how we grow. And that's how he shows us his way. If we sit back and say, okay, when, when this guy gets here, you know, then, then I'm going to have some discernment about, you know, did they do a right job or is this the right person? That's not the attitude to have. God could lead you to the right person and you could miss it. And we'll talk about that some next week. But in, in this process that you're going through, your personal walk with God is important. It is vital. Not just for what you contribute to this body, to the church, but also your personal relationship with God and your pastor who's going to come. You want somebody to come and you will have, have said and can see, God, you've answered the prayer that I prayed. You've answered the prayer that we have been praying. You've shown us a way in this. Revealing. Where is there a need for wisdom? Where is there a need for wisdom in your own life? He wants to give it, and he can give it. If we'll listen and if we'll talk to him, that's where it comes. So we've got thanksgiving, that's the T. Revealing is the R. The U in trust is understanding. Understanding. Boy, we need a greater understanding of of what he has in store for us, not just on a practical level, but also on a spiritual level and an emotional level. So here's the question that goes with understanding and how Paul ties it together is, where is there a need for hope? Where is there a need for hope? We need to pray that God would give us hope, his kind of hope. And and that would be part of our understanding. Now, he links these words in, in a particular way that we need to understand and, and see how he's going. I pray that that you may be enlightened or that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know the hope of his calling and his glorious inheritance. So let's try to tie that all in together. He says we get this by an inheritance. How do you get an inheritance? By a relationship. By a relationship. I inherited some land in southern Lavaca County when my father passed away. That, that was something I knew was coming. He had told me, he had shown me, the fence was already there. But that is my possession because of a relationship. I didn't earn it. I, I didn't get it. I didn't pay for it. It came because of a relationship. What he wants to give to us comes as a relationship. So this is a relational thing, not a transactional thing, where I do good enough, I pray hard enough, I I have enough faith. It is, I have walked with this person in relationship, and I realize what they are giving to me. It is a gift. And he says, this is is where it hits, the eyes of my heart. We, We sing a song, open the eyes of my heart. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart, what you really focus on that touches you inside, What you choose to look at that touches the inner parts of you. I pray that it might be enlightened so that you may have hope. So what does that mean to us practically? If I'm discouraged today, if I'm down, if I feel defeated as a Christian, I'm discouraged in my walk, God didn't lead me there. It's not his will for me to be there. 
his will and his plan is to lead me out of there. But it's going to happen as I focus on the things that are true and right and noble and good. And as I begin to let the eyes of my heart be enlightened with his truth and what he is doing and how things are working instead of looking at the dark. So where are the eyes of your heart today? Is it light and focused on things that bring light or is it focused on things that bring darkness? Is it focused on things that are upward and that are eternal and that are everlasting? Or are you getting drugged down by the temporary and the things that are for just right now, but you can't, you can't see beyond just right now and see what's in the future? He wants you to be able to see that. It, are your eyes focused, the eyes of your heart focused on things of heaven and the things of God or the things of this earth and the things of you? A lot of our inner being is determined by what we choose to focus on and spend time on. That's why it's important to spend time in prayer, to walk with them, to talk with them, to get this. Charles Swindoll made a statement that I've written down and reminded myself of many times. He said this, life is about 10% what happens to me and about 90% how I take it. Life is about 10% what happens, and it's about 90% how I take it. What do I do with it? Paul is saying, I want the eyes of your heart to be enlightened so that you may know because of this relationship you have hope. You can inherit this. It is a gift because of a relationship, and he wants to give that to us today. So where are the eyes of your heart today? Know that he wants to enlighten it and bring you light. Where is there a need for hope in your church I'm going to say this because I've never seen this not happen, and, and I'm not trying to drag you down. I'm just trying to give you reality. You're going to go through, in this process, some discouraging moments. You're going to go through some places where things didn't work out that you hoped would work out. You're going to find this process for everybody. Just, just know this for everybody. It's going to take longer than you think it should. It just does. That's what everybody experiences. You're not alone in that. But here's the question. Where are the eyes of my heart? Am I focused on, on things that drag me down or the things of God that lift me up and that give me hope? Where is there a need for hope? I Pray for understanding for people who need that hope and that understanding and pray that you would have that understanding as well so that you can help them in that hope and pass that on to them and be a person who possesses that, that they can be around so that the eyes of their heart may be enlightened. But just understanding, you know, how things work in your life. That's the you in trust. Tia's uh, Thanksgiving R is revealing you as understanding. Let's go to the S in trust. And it's strength. Strength. Where is there a need for power? The strength of God when Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. We sang about that this morning. In this part of, of, of the passage, he, he talks about the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the mighty working of his strength that he exerted this power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavens. And in that short passage, he uses six different words for power or strength. Now, we don't always see that in English, but there's six different words. And, and if we took the language Paul was writing in and, and, and looked at our language, there, there's several words that we get our word for from this, like dynamite. 
is one of the words that he uses for strength. Hyper is one of the words he uses here. That's where we get this word from what they were speaking in that day and that time. I know sometimes that's not a good thing. I just had a four-year-old grandson in my house. Hyper is not always a good thing. But hyper is, is something that he wants us to know that as God possesses, it is a powerful thing. And, and then this strength and this idea, it is amazing how God wants to use this energy, which is another word that he used when he raised Christ from the dead to empower his church. So where is there a need for strength in your life? Here, here's what Paul caught that, that more than anybody else that wrote in Scripture, he caught this, and we sang about it this morning, that the very power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. If you know Jesus Christ and the life of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is in your life, you have the power in you that God used to raise Jesus from the dead. How does he want to use it in your life? You may be thinking, you do not know the week I've had. I do not feel any power at all. How do you get connected to it? How do you find it? How did Jesus do it? How did Paul do it? We have great examples that they got alone with God in prayer. And God renewed them. And God strengthened them. There, there used to be, I don't know if it's still there, there used to be a picture in the, in the foyer of the CLC of, of Jesus praying and an angel coming. And that's, that's from one gospel account where Jesus was praying in the garden about not my will but yours be done. God, if there's any other way, then go into the cross. I want to do it. And an angel came and strengthened him. In prayer, There are things that God wants to do in your prayer life you can't see yet. You don't know yet. But when you begin to pray for that strength, get connected with that strength, it comes by stepping out, it comes by going forward, it comes by asking God for it, believing God has it, and believing that this power is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. I have access to that. He wants to use that in my life. How do I let him? I get connected to him and it comes through a relationship. It's not something I plug into or this thing that, that I can, can do to get to. It's a place where I find he's at work in me when I'm with him. And when I talk with him, when I pray to him, I go away from there different and I may not feel it immediately, but when I face the challenge, there's a different kind of strength. There's a new strength. There's a new way. That's the S in trust. Strength. Thanksgiving. Revealing. Understanding. Strength. And then the last T. And I'm just going to call it tomorrow. Tomorrow. How do we pray about the future? What is Kennedy going to be like in 10 years? What's it going to be like in five years? My daughter Kelly was, was home with her, her boys for a while this week, and she talked about growing up here, and she said, you know, I'd like to come back and see it. I, I just hear so many different changes about it, and, and, and it's hard to think how much has changed. And sometimes you who have been here through all of it, it's been more gradual. But if you go and you come back, you see, wow, this is, there's some different things going on. How, how's this impacting the church? What is the church going to be like? In five years, ten years, nobody can tell you. Nobody can tell you. Don't pay somebody to come tell you. But 
God can prepare you for it. God has a plan to prepare you for your future and for what he has in store. So learn in this process of an interim time to stick with it, to stay with it, to learn how to love the church and to learn how to love what Jesus is doing in his church. Here's where we get the tomorrow phrase. For he put Jesus above every lure, authority, power, dominion, every title. And then this last phrase in the end of verse 21, not only in this age, but the one to come. Right now, he is above, and in the future, he's still going to be above. Right now, he is sovereign and in control, and in the future, he's still going to be in control. Catch this, if you will. This is his church. This is his church. This belongs to him. He's got a plan. He's going to see to the needs of it. He's going to take care of you in it. And what you can do is trust God for the future you cannot see. And turn that over to him and pray about this future. Now, if you've still got your Bibles open, I want to I I tell you how this all sums up in verse 22 of this passage in 1 Ephesians, or I'm sorry, Ephesians 1, 15 through 21. Let's look at verse 22 and 23. And he subjected everything under Jesus' feet, under his feet, and appointed him as head over everything for the church. That's how important the church is to him, for the church. And then catch this, because this is true of you. This body... Verse 23, which is his body. The fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. He wants to fill you, even without a pastor, what everything this church needs to do, was designed to do, that he purposes it for, for it to do, to fulfill all he has to do by filling you with his strength, with his power, with his spirit to guide you in this process and to show you what the future holds. That's the trust, the trust that we need to have. So what, what's the challenge? Here's the challenge. What would it be like in this church if everybody prayed the same prayer every day for one week? What if everybody, and big ones help the little ones, and more mature ones help the ones who are new, and, and we got together somehow in our families, and in our friendships, and in our classes, and in our times that we run and get together, if we prayed the same prayer daily for one week? You want to find out? You willing to find out? So how do we do that? Okay. First of all, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to ask you to do something that I'm not doing. I'm going to do that this week too. I'm going to use this prayer to pray for you. I've got a reminder on my phone, 7 a.m. every morning. I'm going to pray for this church using this prayer. Now, how can you do that? A lot of different ways. And, and some of you are saying, I've never done anything like that. I don't know how to do that. Some of you are saying, yeah, I've done that. I'm, okay, I'm, I could, I could do that. We could figure out how to do that. Here's, here's a way that the church needs to work. Is if you don't know how to do this, look around and look for somebody who obviously knows how to pray. 
and, and pulled them aside and said, tell me how you learned how to pray. Could you help me? See, part of it is not just that we all come and we learn from a pastor. We're supposed to learn from one another at different stages in this walk with Jesus. And that's the way the church is always supposed to be. What a great thing would the new pastor would come to find. That's already going on here. Find a way to get with other people and, and pray with this as a family. Here's a simple thing you could do. But before you go to bed at night or at dinner time or before you take off in the morning, though that's going to be tough, but set aside time and you just may read this passage and, and it is a prayer. And at the end, just pray, God, make this true of us, make this true of our church. Help us. And you can do that a little bit different every day by different, doing a different translation and, and it would give you a little bit different insight. Or, or you can just use this acrostic. God, where is there something to be thankful for? Where is there something and a need for wisdom? Where is there a need for understanding the eyes of our heart to be enlightened? Where is there a need for strength? And where is there a need to know how I can face tomorrow? He has a lot of different ways to move in our lives through this. And the best way is the way he guides you to individually. Where you've stopped and spent enough time with him, you sense this is the way. Walk in it. This is the way I have for you. Let me show you some things. Let me teach you some things about prayer. Not just about praying for your church or praying for a new pastor, but praying and talking with me individually. Now, I've not got a card for you to fill out. I'm not going to make you raise your hand or anything like that. But is this something you'd be willing to do to follow him this week? For the sake of this body, for your sake. For the sake of his church for the sake of your church, to pray together as a body this week and ask God to do things that he's already put in Scripture that he wants to do and see what he can do. Let me close with this statement. Oswald Chambers, when he wrote it, I read it. I had to read it several times before I really got it. Prayer does not equip me for the greater work. Now, it may seem counter to what I've just been saying to you. Prayer does not equip me for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. The one thing this church needs most of all is the one thing everybody can do. And that's pray. Father, as we come, we recognize you're not just speaking to a body. You're speaking to individuals, members of that body. And you've got individual, personal things that you're guiding us to do so that we might be a part of your will and your way in this church and in this body. For some, people are looking at this and saying, I, I don't know how to pray. I, I don't. You talk about this relationship. I don't know about that relationship. And today, Lord, we can begin that relationship just by calling on your name, by praying to you, by confessing our sin, by from our, from our heart really turning our lives over to you and, and being willing to let you change us and help us to live in a new and different way. God, thank you that you can do that today in each one of our lives. Help us who are walking with you to take the next step Help us who are growing with you to continue to grow. Help us who have grown stagnant and we've grown stale to find new life just in spending time with you and allowing you to restore 
and bring new life and strength to our heart. There are some who are in crisis, and this prayer works as well. Show us, Lord, how to follow you in the ways you've already revealed, in the ways you're going to bless, in the ways you're going to work, and help us to do it now. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'm going to be here at the front. If you've got something to pray with or pray over, I'm going to be glad to do that with you. You want to begin this conversation about a relationship or where you are in this relationship with Jesus, I'll be glad to do that with you. But let's stand together and let's respond to him as he is leading.